0: Hello and welcome back. Uh, Today's episode is about three continents, four languages and many adventures. I will tell you a little bit more about my journey so you get a better picture of my life. I told you last week that my dad died on my 15th birthday of cancer. He was 49. My mom was finally completely free to live her life any way she wanted. She put up a really good show after he died, but she had ulterior motives. She was only 40, and as she put it herself, she was only beginning to live her life. Despite the fact that the Islamic revolution had cost my dad his business, and he had not been able to work for over four years by the time he died, he had left us with quite a bit of money, a huge house, a few other properties, a car, Uh, By the way, no one could drive the car, uh, because my mom never learned to drive, and I was only 15, and driving age in Iran is 18 years. So she started selling stuff and getting rid of lots of memories. Within a year after my dad had died, we had moved to a smaller house and rented the big house we had lived in for the past seven plus years. The car along with lots of my dad's belongings were sold. Uh, she still complained about the fact that he didn't leave us enough. But she still never bothered to look for work. She continued to be a crazed shopaholic. And spend money like this was a bottomless cash tank. And she started dating. There was a lot of painful stories that I will not share at this time. But I will tell you this. I was willing to do anything to get out of that house in that country and finally find a home. At the time, my boyfriend, Shahram, had had to flee Iran illegally because we were in the middle of the Iran-Iraq war. All men were supposed to enlist as soon as they graduated from high school. So his parents arranged for him and his best friend to flee the country by foot on camelback and other means and cross the border to Pakistan where um, many people were smuggling young men to other countries. They had paid a fortune to buy him a fake passport and send him to Belgium where he applied for political asylum and stayed as a refugee. So now I was left behind with a mother who had never wanted me to begin with, but now I had no one. My father was gone forever, my sisters in the U.S., my 20-year-old boyfriend, a refugee in Belgium. Before he left, we got, quote-unquote, engaged. I was 16, and he had we had been dating for three years. I spent most of my time doing those years uh, or those months at my best friend Neda's house uh, or with my cousin Samira at her house. I only went home to get clothes or other things for school, but I was always with Neda or Samira or both. Sometimes I also spent some time at Shahram's parents' house. Um, During that time, his parents were trying to find a way to get me reunited with him, but they too had ulterior motives. They knew that my father had left us money and inheritance. And as his dad put it once, they had counted on my taking my inheritance with me. That obviously was not going to happen as all of our assets were stuck in in the house, the properties, and in the middle of a huge legal battle between my mother and my dad's father, who was still alive. And at age 80, he wanted some of those assets. Yes, you can tell I do have a dysfunctional family. So really uh, I needed to get the heck out of that mess. And the last thing I cared about was inheritance. I wanted freedom. We had applied for a fiance visa for Belgium as Shahram uh, was a political refugee. And according to the Belgian law, I was entitled to a visa. After about a year, I was finally granted a visa to go to Belgium. You can imagine how I felt. But there was also a lot of anxiety and fear as well because I was uniting with my illegal fiancé who was a political refugee in another country. I finally arrived in Belgium on December 27, 1987, four days before the new year. Now, at barely 17 years old, I was in a foreign country with three languages, none of which I knew. And I knew very limited English, not nearly enough to get me anywhere. I attended high school in a matter of a few months. Um, I lost one year due to language barriers, of course. And I knew the subjects like biology, chemistry, math, and etc. but I had to use two dictionaries, Flemish to English and English to Farsi. Once I translated everything, then I would have to learn the subject. Needless to say, it took me up to eight hours to study two pages, and many times I thought I was never going to get anywhere with this. During my first year in Belgium, I learned a lot from um, my one Belgian friend, Peggy, who was the least popular girl in my class. She was not attractive and not rich, so she was really bullied a lot. But she took me on as a friend and as I too was an outsider. I couldn't really speak the language so they could say whatever they wanted. Uh, But Peggy and I became close and she taught me a lot. With lots of patience in sign language, after about nine months, I became nearly fluent in Dutch. Now I had to improve my French as this small country has three official languages. If you want to go to college, you have to speak one very fluently, of course, and be very good at the second language at a minimum. So it would take me a long time to be able to master all of that. During that time, I learned um, about a different way to get my required subjects done. There was a program there that uh, was for adults, and uh, was for adults who had left high school at some point, and uh, they wanted to go back and uh, finish their high school diploma to go to college. It was called independent school, and you studied the subjects in any order and passed um, an oral exam in front of a huge panel. So I passed biology, chemistry, math, and physics. Now I had the daunting task of passing non-science subjects, which was not my strength, like geography or social sciences and uh, French literature, of course. During that year, I also became aware that Shahram had no intention to go to school. He had picked up drinking, smoking pot, and partying all the time. He had changed or was revealing his real personality I had never known before, or perhaps I was too young and stupid to see or even maybe I was preoccupied with running away from home that I ignored those things. I also took a few jobs to make money because he was not able to keep any job. Uh, I did babysitting, cleaning houses, cooking and laundry for various families. And as soon as I got home, he would take the money and go out and drink and do other things. Life became very stressful. We were poor refugees with hardly any money. He was spending all the money on alcohol and drugs. He was not really working, and he became abusive. So I continued to go to school and work because I was determined to go to college and become a scientist. Meanwhile, my sisters in the U.S. kept telling me that I should join them here. I resisted a lot at the beginning because I had, it had taken me almost four years to master two languages and I was really almost ready to pass the final subjects and apply for university. But it ste- still seemed so far away. And I was in a very unhealthy relationship and was getting worse by the day. A few times I feared for my life as he became physically aggressive. I ran away to Austria for a month, but he came and found me and convinced me that he would change. Well, he did not. Now I was back. I was in a virtual prison as he would not let me out of his sight for a second. So I had to come up with another plot to escape again. This time from another abusive relationship and unsafe home. I won't bore you with details of my escape, but I was hiding for three months so he could not find me. My social worker helped me find a place about 30 kilometers away. During that time, my older sister was planning her wedding, so I went to the U.S. Embassy to test my luck. I asked for a visitor visa to attend my sister's wedding. Because I was a Belgian resident and was attending school, they gave me an entrance visa to the United States. Now I had to come up with about fifteen hundred dollars to buy a ticket and escape before Shahram found out. In a matter of two weeks, I packed up my life, borrowed the money, and flew to the United States to freedom again. I joined my sisters in California after a few years of separation from both of them, and I was granted a visa for six months. I had to be very quick and creative. I studied for the TOEFL, which is a test of English as a foreign language. I applied for four community colleges, and I got a job and a home as an au pair or a live-in babysitter. It was that year when I lost my best childhood friend, remember Neda? I used to spend time in her house a lot. She died of leukemia. She was 22. That nearly killed me. It was one of the most devastating experiences of my life after losing my father to cancer only a few years before. I was now even more determined to fight cancer. I learned a lot of my English uh, from the two-year-old boy Mitchell I was babysitting while singing Dutch nursery songs to him and his nine-month-old baby brother, Ryan. Those boys and their parents, John and Eileen, became my first American family. I lived with them for a year while I was waiting for acceptance to college. I finally got in and applied for a student visa. In the fall of 1993, I started college at the age of 23, finally. I had to pay $2,500 a quarter for community college because I was on an international student visa. So, I had to work about 55 hours a week while I took care of an elderly couple, one with Alzheimer's, in exchange for room and board because all of my earnings went to tuition. I slept about three hours a night and lived on a budget of $10 a day for all of my food and gas in my car, which was a gift from my American family, by the way. I was dirt poor. I worked all the time. I was exhausted but I was determined to become a scientist. Sometime during my first year at the De Anza College at Cupertino, California, I met Walt and fell in love again. In 1996, we got engaged and in 1997, we were married. I transferred to University of California, Davis, majoring in genetics and a minor in food biochemistry. The path ahead seemed clear and I was ready to plow through and pave my way to graduate school to become a scientist. I was told many times along the way that I could not accomplish this because the path I had chosen was very hard, if not impossible. In my head, I had one answer. If you want me to do something, tell me I can't. If my mother was right about one thing, it was that. I was and am very stubborn. If I want something, I will get it. Life was what I wanted and I fought hard to get it. Now it was time to go and get the rest of it. It was not easy, but I reminded myself all the time that coming into this world was not easy and I had to fight to be born. I was not about to let anything or anyone stop me from living now. Today, I remember and honor all the people in this world who have selflessly given their lives for the rest of us, those who have sacrificed their lives, their freedom for us, those who have lost their lives, whether it be to war or cancer or other ways. I've lost way too many people to to count. I'm reminded again, life is beautiful and I am forever grateful to be alive. And more importantly, I am always grateful for health, which is truly the main reason I started this podcast. I started this to share my love of life and health with you. I started this podcast to share with you that if you want something, anything that is, you can get it if you want it badly and if you set your mind to it. So I want to thank you for listening to my story and thank you for sharing it. I will see you again next week and I hope that you will share your thoughts or questions with me. Until then, to your health and happiness.